0: Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. We got episode number 52 today. We're gonna to be talking about what questions you need to be asking in the interview room. And if you're someone who you're applying for jobs, if you're open to hire, if you're if you're up for being hired, or you're applying to all sorts of different jobs, here are some ways that you can absolutely stand out among all the other candidates. And the whole reason I've put together this episode is I, I, last week in, uh, I guess it was early in the week, a friend of mine who's in HR reached out to me and said, hey, what do you think about this trick, uh, the, the coffee trick? And I honestly had no idea what he was talking about. And so I said, well, what's the coffee trick? And so he links me this article, and it's this article that had gotten published on this sort of business journal-esque type uh, website, and it was talking about uh, basically it was a case study of a business that once they began to implement the coffee trick, it began to totally apparently revolutionize their hiring process. And so naturally, as someone who I've partnered with a multitude of HR uh, departments of businesses. And naturally as someone who I, you know, I work a lot in management, I work a lot in scaling and having to, you know, what's the next step for bringing on really great employees. Naturally, I was really interested in this. So I pull up this article and and my friend and I, we start talking about it and I, I I'm reading through the article and essentially what it's talking about is if you want to hire, and, and let me say this to preface this, because I I've posted about this on social media and I've had people be like, oh wow, I need to try that. And you know, social media is so quick now. I mean, you're constantly scrolling through it. You know, it's like the dopamine drug of what's the next update that I can get for, uh, you know, for my brain. And so I I in, in knowing that people go through it quickly, I've noticed some people have been like, oh yeah, I need to do that. And I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Actually, don't do this. Uh, so. I'm saying this now in the sense of as I tell this story, you can know right off the bat that I, if you turn off the podcast right after the story, don't actually go do this. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't do this. But uh, regardless, it's something that is becoming very popular in some circles. So here's what the story is here's the case study. So essentially, what happened was, and this is something that has become very popular across a multitude of businesses. Essentially what happened was you had this company where they began instituting the coffee trick. And what the coffee trick is, the coffee trick is essentially where a candidate comes in And you walk them around the building and you, you know, hey, you know, this is so-and-so in this department and you're introducing them. And at one point when you walk by the kitchen, you say, hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? And you offer to get them a cup of coffee. And so they take you up on it. You take them back to the interview room and you have, you know, your dialogue and you ask your questions and what have you. But then when the interview's over and you say, hey, thanks for coming in this whole trick is now predicated on this one big moment. And this moment is when the, the person who's being interviewed says they offer, can I wash my coffee cup out for you? And it's where the, the interviewee says they, they basically offer to clean the dish that they used as a sort of, you know, polite, uh, I don't know, just, just being courteous, I guess, to your offer for coffee. And now, I'll go ahead and tell you, if I was interviewing someone and they offered something like this, I would like I would like it. You know, it's not it's not bad to do something like this in terms of being courteous and polite and genuine and all you know, all of that is fine. What's really interesting about this story though, the part that really stood out to me was this company that was part of the case study of this article, they said if someone does not offer to clean the cup out, We will not hire them no matter how good the interview was. And I just thought I read that and I thought, wow, that is a company that is missing talent. They're leaving talent on the table over some inane, innocuous thing. And here's why I call it innocuous. It's because perception is reality. And so you've created this sort of scheme to <laughs> to see to try to peel back the layers of professionalism to see what does this person stand for and this and you know if they don't offer to clean out the coffee mug, then you know your perception is maybe they're not a team player, maybe they're not caring, maybe they're not maybe they're only thinking about themselves, they're only thinking about getting the job you know what have you, and so you ascribe all of this meaning to the fact that they didn't offer to clean the cup out and understanding perception is reality that's where this whole process really breaks down because think of it this way. Let's put ourselves in the mind of the interviewee. This person maybe they're nervous, maybe they are they really want to impress you and they just they just aren't thinking about the coffee, they're thinking about, "Oh my gosh, what's the next question? Oh my gosh, did I nail it? Okay, do I need to do I need to stand to shake their hand? Do I reach across the table to shake their hand? Do I, do I, oh, wasn't I supposed to ask a question like, when am I supposed to hear back? Or, or is that too forward to ask that question? Or, and you know, and so am I sweating? Does he, can he, can this person tell that I'm sweating? Do I need to calm down? Do I need to be more animated? Do I need to smile? Do am I smiling too much? Do I need to, you know, all these thoughts that a prospective candidate could have. And, and having those thoughts isn't It's not a sign of a lack of professionalism that they're unqualified. It's just that sometimes people just get nervous before they do things. I mean, I am a public speaker, and I've stood in front of groups as as large as 300 people. I don't consider myself a particularly good public speaker, but I'm someone who I've done it quite a bit. I still get nervous before I speak. It's just part of my DNA. I get this this feeling of nervousness of, I hope I don't say something really dumb. And also, because my my standard is I really want to make an impact, I'm also thinking I'm nervous that I will say everything I'm going to say, and it won't move the needle for some people. And so – for me, being nervous in that it's just it's just a normal part of the process. Some of your best candidates are going to be nervous people when they interview. It's just it's just it just happens for people. And if they're not nervous, you might have someone who has the thought of maybe I should clean the cup out. But you know what? Maybe this will come across as a little too forward. Maybe if I say, "Hey, let me go back to your kitchen and clean the cup out." you know, the interviewer may think, well, it's not your office yet. You know, it's not your, you don't work here yet. You know, I don't want you going across my office. I don't want you. And so the interviewee may realize, you know what, that might be a little bit too forward. That might be a little bit too much. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, Or, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that someone can process, you know, they may even think something like, okay, well, they offered it to me, maybe since they're, you know, trying to be hospitable. Maybe it would be too forward of me. Maybe they would prefer to clean it out themselves or what have you. And, and actually that's just, that's actually my whole philosophy. Sometimes I've had people who've come into uh, people who I've interviewed where I'll offer them a glass of water, I'll offer them a coffee cup. And I actually do prefer, because, you know, again, I, for me, I'm thinking about how do I serve this person? Cause I really want to get to know this person. And so for me, I'm thinking I would prefer to take it myself. Well, so my friend asked me what I thought about this. And I thought, okay, this is pretty silly. There's other directions to go for interviewing someone. And no, I think it was about 24 hours later, I saw this post pop up on LinkedIn. And it was someone who was, hey guys, here's a really great hiring tip for you. Go out and offer someone a dish like a coffee cup or a glass of water and then see what they do with it. And it was the whole coffee mug and i don't know if this person just uh got you know maybe read the same article or i think i think actually now that i think about it someone had recommended to this person the same strategy just through coincidence and said you know what do you guys think about this and the whole point of making this podcast episode is not to knock anyone you know i am actually i'm okay with whatever works for you But I am someone who I try to maximize people's approach to business, and I try to maximize your return on investment, especially with employees. The worst thing you could do is to bring on someone who's a bad fit for your business – and you spend six to nine months trying to make it work with that person and it ultimately doesn't work and you lose the most important resource you have, your time, because now you have to go out there, hire somebody different. Maybe you're even feeling a little salty about it. You're feeling a little burned about it. And so you change up your hiring on a pro- your hiring process in a way that's not beneficial to your business or you'll be like one company that I talked to who they had a nine month hiring process because they had been burned so many times that they were like, we're going to get it right. And it's going to take us nine months, but we're going to get it right. And the flip side that offered to them was, yeah, you know, you may have this really knockout hiring process, but what phenomenal employee is going to wait nine months to be hired by you? No, no phenomenal employee is going to do that. Someone who maybe really loves your business might do that. Man, I really want that job. I really want to work for that person. I really want to work in that company. That person may do it but your best candidates probably aren't going to do it because why they're hireable somewhere else. And so what will happen though, is people instead of trying to figure out why their hiring process isn't working, they'll rely on tricks and traps and you know, the coffee trick, the coffee mug thing. And, and I, I, you know, I thought what what I would get a kick out today, I want to read some of these other examples to you. And don't let me go ahead and tell you don't do any of these. But these are some things that other people and you know what if you if actually you know what if you have you felt like you nailed an interview and you didn't get the job and you couldn't understand why you didn't get the job sometimes it's 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 you you actually didn't interview as well as you thought you did or you weren't as qualified as you thought you were. Sometimes it's you. A lot of times, it's not you. You interviewed with someone who does not understand hiring and management. It's kind of like people I talk to who they've had a really bad boss, and so now they have a a really poor perspective on leadership. And it's not because, it's not them, it's because of their interaction with someone who was put into position who really didn't understand it like they needed to. So let me read some of these other kind of ridiculous ones. I'll start with like the really mild... Example, Uh, place a piece of trash on the ground and see if your candidate stops to pick it up. Uh, Again, your candidate may not even see it, may not even notice it. Uh, and, And frankly, on the flip side, not to sound cynical... But you're probably also going to have some candidates who really aren't qualified, but they know you're watching. And so they're going to lean down and pick it up and throw it away. And you're going to hire them over this, even though they're actually a terrible team player. They're narcissistic. They're manipulative. They're, you know, all of these things, what have you. So uh, there's that one. Hiring someone who picks up a piece of trash. I'll uh, be pull up a couple of these other ones. Oh, this one. Here we go. Uh, this one I love dump a pile of laundry on the table and leave them for a few minutes. If they start folding them, it says that they're a team player. This one I got a really big kick out of because I just thought if it was me and I was in the interview room and I was being interviewed and the person stepped out with their laundry, I would feel like this was like, First of all, I would know it's like a psychoanalytical test, but also I would think. Well, I mean, do they are they measuring like my forwardness? Do they want to see if they touch their underwear? Do I do I do I do just the big stuff like the towels off the top? Do I you know? There's so many things here that would make me nervous that I would just leave it. I would just think, okay, the best strategy is not do anything with it. But also. I saw this one on LinkedIn and one of the comments said, from now on, when I hire people, I'm going to interview them in my house so I can get some of my chores done, which is pretty much what all of this is. Uh, This one I liked a lot uh, only because it was also really incredibly silly. This person says, I like to put a trap in the uh, interview questions or sorry, the the, uh, application questions. And I'll change a couple of words in the middle of a sentence that says to uh, change the subject line of the application to blank. And so when I'm going through the applications, if they've changed the subject line, then I know that they actually read it in full. And that means they're much more hireable than someone else. And my counter to that was, well, someone who is really applying to a lot of jobs in bulk, they may not see something like that. They may not see you. And I said, and also, it's kind of childish. Hey, change the subject line. So I know you read this. I, I remember when I was a teacher, excuse me, when I was a teacher, I remember doing that for some of my students who were like 16 year olds. I don't know if I would do that with, you know, functioning adults. Now, maybe if you are dealing with spam where you're getting constantly like robo spammed with tons of applications, and you're getting thousands upon thousands. So you need to filter it out. I get that. I understand that. That's fine. But like for like jobs that you really aren't getting a massive number of applications, that's a really silly, stupid step to take in, in, uh, you know, trying to vet a person to make sure that they're actually as serious about your business as you are. And also frankly, it positions yourself as already being kind of narcissistic and ego driven. It's kind of like I read a comment today from someone on LinkedIn who they were quoting an HR person who said, well, they should, you know, they should just be grateful that we're willing to hire them. And I was like, Yikes, how big is your ego that you think your company is God's gift to every applicant in the world? So another one that I read was, uh, I loved this one, my friend Melinda, uh, who works here in Northwest Arkansas. She said, back in the 90s, I I was told to ask candidates how they would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The thought was if they just opened the loaf of bread and didn't reach back two to three slices... They were being impulsive by taking the first slice. Also, they should discuss putting away the bread, peanut butter, and jelly. I guess because that shows that they are being mindful of what they're using and actually putting it back in its place or being a good manager of your things. So she goes on to say, We collectively hired and moved someone that had answered everything correctly. (laughs) And here's the key. He was a terrible hire, and he also got arrested for public indecency within the first month. I can't make this up. So, and then I replied. (laughs) I said, well, at least he could make a really mean PB&J, right? So all of this stuff is so subjective, and it kind of makes me wonder if someone, like, as a joke, you know, hey, let's just see what we can come up with as ridiculous questions for people and just see what we what meaningless things we can come we can conclude from uh, what how they approach you know these random experiments something else that stood out to me though was especially on the the comment of the trap of changing the subject line I I've it's also interesting seeing people's feedback of I just don't have the time to do things like this I don't have time to play games I'm just trying to find a good job And frankly, again, the people who aren't going to put up with this kind of crap, they are your best hires. Why? Because they know they don't have to put up with it. They don't need to put up with it. They know their value. So there's my soapbox rant on, you know, traps, tricks, and a cup of coffee. Let's talk about what you actually should be doing in the interview room. Because people, the, the whole reason that they've come up with these, with these kinds of tricks. And again, it's, it's right motive, wrong execution. See, the motive here is I want to know the character of my perspective hire. I want to know who they really are. So the motive is right. The execution is wrong. So the execution is let's put trash on the floor and see if they pick it up. Let's bring our laundry, our laundry to work day and see if they clean it up. Let's, you know, put them next to a full trash can. And see if they take the trash out for me. All of these things are, they're, they are the right motive, but they're the wrong execution. Why? Because they break down when you think about perception, when you think about how they may be perceiving the situation, and when you get to like the levels of extremism, when again, the case study in this article, this company who says No matter how well they aced the interview, if they did not clean the cup out, we would not hire them. That breaks down in the process. So here's what you should be doing in the interview room. The motive is right. Let's find out who this person is. Let's find out how this person ticks. The motive is right there the execution. And it's so funny how I approach business because time and again, I find myself in these really complicated situations with people I'm working with. And it always comes back to this extremely simple. It's, it's, a, it's an extremely simple concept to solve that what we've made overly complicated. If you want to know how someone ticks, all you need to do is ask them. It's to ask them my friend Melinda, who told the Pb and j story I loved her her perspective she said now when I hire, I have conversational interviews, and I slowly interview in, introduce them to team members to get different takes and impressions it's been very successful and I love that last part because Melinda is recognizing that her perception is based on her own bias, just like all of us you know we all analyze data differently. So I'm going to introduce this person to other team members to get different takes, to get their perspectives. But I love also the former part of her sentence. We have conversational interviews. Now, if you're thinking, okay, I'm nervous about interviewing people. I have no idea what I'm doing. I I have no idea what to ask. I'm going to give you two methods that you can use today to find out who this person really is. Now, Very little of your actual interview should have anything to do with their resume. And that's probably one of the biggest sins I see in the hiring process is you bring in a a prospective candidate and you go through the resume. Oh, so you did this. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, you accomplished this. Tell me more about that. And you're just, you're really just having the person revomit everything that's on the page or worse. What's really interesting to me is people who don't approach hiring with any sort of diligence. And so they bring in the, and this is so, by the way, this is so disrespectful And again, it falls back on narcissism, ego. Uh, You should be grateful to even be here. But this is so disrespectful to a candidate's time is to bring them into the interview room and then jokingly say, so tell me about yourself. Sorry, I haven't had a chance to read your resume. You know, or, or some form of that of, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, did you bring a resume? Man, you know, I'm so busy, I didn't have a chance. And obviously the interviewer is not going to call you on, excuse me, the interviewee is not going to call you on your crap. They're not going to say, oh, I guess you didn't really care if I was in here. They're going to be polite and yeah, okay, well, here you go. But it's totally disrespectful to the person. And so you come up with these kind of off-the-cuff questions because you haven't read the resume, you don't know anything about them, and you're approaching hiring probably the same way you approach your business. Very casual, very indifferent, and really kind of just whatever. I don't really care if I hire someone who's bad for the business because, you know, you're just, you're just indifferent. Now you may not say that to people, but, but really that's the case. So here's what you do. Here's how you hire really great candidates. So you're trying to figure out who this person really is. So the resume is a great starting point, but once they're in the room, they, you can leave the resume. What, because the resume is, you've already, you've already vetted the skills, right? I mean, that's what got them in the room. What you're doing in the room is you're trying to determine culture fit. You're trying to um, you know figure out what values does this person have, what uh, drives them. You're trying to evaluate how they think about things, like problems like team members, like their own drive and ambition. All of these things that we would normally write off as soft skills, these are the ways that this person is going to go about their business. That's why it's so important to figure out how do they tick. Now, naturally, if you're trying to figure out what their values are, it starts with knowing what your values are. Not just you as a person, but your company it's like a guy who he did gag gifts for a living and so he would create like Donald Trump pens and greeting cards and he was never political but he just he just thought I'm going to make gag gifts. And he had it for all these different political figures. And so one of the values of his company was humor. So you're not going to be a good fit here if you don't sincerely care about making people laugh, about making people have fun. You know, to get someone in here who really doesn't care about humor, it's like, well, why did you join this business? So in his hiring process, he's looking for things like that, that will make this person a natural fit for how they approach business. At my old company, one of our values was excellence. And so the way we approach business, it's never good enough. In the sense of there's always things you can improve, but really we wanted our customers to always say, oh my gosh, that was the best experience I had. If we were providing a meal to them, I wanted them to say that was the best meal I've had this year. (laughs) I wanted people to say, wow, that was delicious, man, that was tasty. I wanted it hot, I wanted it delicious, I wanted I wanted them to have enough you know unlimited refills you know we're going taco bell style here where you you want it you get it type of deal because for me it didn't matter if it cost 20 more dollars I was thinking, how do I give this person a premium experience? So that, and that's because again, excellence is really important to me. The same thing was true was when that, when we had the PowerPoint slide up, if there was a typo on the PowerPoint slide, Hey, let's get that fixed for next time. Because again, we're trying to exude excellence here. Now, if someone comes in and they're really, their philosophy is the ends justify the means, you know, Hey, everyone got fed, you know, everyone, no one starved, no one died. You know, if if their philosophy is the ends justify the means, then that person, there's going to be constant friction around why excellence is so important. And so it takes you understanding what your values are as a business so that when you interview a person, you can find out, is this person a good culture fit? Now, here's some actual questions you can ask. Here's some things you can actually do. I'm going to give you two methods. Both of them work. They're both the same method. Take them either in full or what you can do is you can do some form of it. And again, you may be someone who your personality is very much uh, kind of shoot from the hip. And so you, you're you very good at peeling back the layers of professionalism and just talking to someone. If that's your style, I say, go with it, do it. That's fine. If you're someone who you like more of a strategy or a routine or like a method, here's the answer for you. Let me give you two of them. One of them is called STAR and the other one is called SHARE. The STAR technique... And these are basically things you're looking for when you ask candidates questions. And naturally, your candidates may not know what these techniques are. And so it's also okay to inform them, hey, tell me this part, this part, this part. So STAR, let's start with that one. STAR stands for Situation, Task, Action, and Result. What it is, it's situation, Tell me what the situation was or or what was the event that you were involved in. Tell me the task. What did you have to do in the situation? Tell me the action, the specific actions you took to complete the task. And then give me the result, what happened as a result of what you did, okay? I.e., um... I noticed that our, at our event where the customers were staying overnight, we had this conference, this retreat, and I noticed that, uh, so that'd be the situation, I noticed that my job was to provide drinks to all the customers, that was my task, and unfortunately we were out of Dr. Pepper, and I noticed that um, you know uh, that's what the customer wanted, and so the action I took was, I went to the customer, I was very apologetic, and I said, hey, you know what, we don't have Dr. Pepper. Could I get you something else? I offered a couple alternatives. And then what I did was I went to our log journal and I noticed that we weren't keeping an accurate supply of our we weren 't keeping a log of our supply, and I decided that every Monday from that point on, I was always going to check and see did we have enough of blank beverage so that this would not happen again and so the result was that was six months ago, and every customer is now drinking as much Dr. Pepper as they could ever want so it sounds a little silly, but but what that does is it it exudes several characteristics to your perspective higher. It tells the person that you're an out-of-the-box thinker, that you're willing to take the extra mile. Because here's the deal. What what someone doesn't want to hire, they don't want to hire the person who says, well, we're out of Dr. Pepper. Oh, well. Well, it's not my job to go to, to Walmart. It's not my job to go to the grocery store. It's not my job to X, Y, and Z. But to demonstrate that you took the extra step, that you cared about the customer, that yada yada, you get the point. So that's one model. The other one is called SHARE, and it stands for... Um, what was, I can't remember what the S was. Oh, situation. Uh, H is the hindrances. What made the situation challenging? Uh, action is for A. Uh, what did you do to solve it? R is, um, the results. And then E, it's, it's, uh, evaluation or, um, there's another, there's another E word in there, but basically evaluation. What did you learn from that? And so in the same way, you can ask your candidates, Hey, walk me through what happened, what was the situation? What was the results? And so if you're trying to figure out someone's uh, approach to problem solving, hey, tell me a story of a time that you had to solve a problem that you had to think out of the box on. And if someone just doesn't know this technique, again, you can coach them. Okay, tell me the situation. Now tell me what were the problems. Now you don't have to actually go through the letters. Hey, tell me the hindrances. Hey, tell me the, the action you took. It can be, hey, what did you do? Okay, so what was, it? What was the outcome? Well, what was the? And again, you don't want to be so stuck to process here that someone who's never heard of share they don't know that they need to tell you, you know, the A letter. And so sometimes you can say, hey, well, hey, what what happened? Because again, your job as the interviewer is to ask the actual questions. The whole point of any kind of model like this is again, you're trying to understand two things about a person: their culture fit. How do they fit with people on your team and your approach to business and your value system? And two, you're trying to really, again, peel back the layers and understand how does this person tick? How does this person process information? How do they solve problems? Are they logical? Are they critical thinking? Are they more emotional? Which, which there's no problems with. Either or by the way, it's just again, you're thinking of, okay, what does my team need and where does our what does our business need going forward? Maybe you've always had a really logical person and you need someone who's a bit more emotionally driven or a lot more feeler oriented. So having said all that, as you can probably imagine, these can be some fairly um These can be some fairly challenging uh, questions to ask in the interview room, but it's like a muscle. It's like anything else. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Stop asking questions about the resume. Stop doing tricks and traps and what have you, and really get to know who the candidate is and will they be a good fit for your business? Which, by the way, sometimes you'll have phenomenal candidates, but because they're not a culture fit, you know, this is a person who maybe they have, they have the, the rap sheet of just phenomenal things they've done. They have all the awesome jobs and the tasks that they've completed. And it's really impressive, but as you start to peel back the layers and see who they are, you know what, this person is a really awesome individual contributor, but what I need, I need a team. I need, I need a team of people who can take the business somewhere. We don't go anywhere alone. And this person, unfortunately, even though they're phenomenal in their own right, they're not going to be a great fit for the team, business company, what have you. Hey, I hope this helped. Absolutely. Uh, let me know what you thought about it. Let me know what other, other I hate to use the word tricks, what other successful methods you use in the interview process because I'd love to share it with other people. You can email me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Uh, and you know what? We didn't even get into the whole situation of personality and how personality can really, it can really be a big uh, differentiator for people in your business. To get a little bit of a preview of that, you probably need to check out last week's episode, episode number 51 with Kristen Sherry, the creator of UMAP, because she had some pretty great insights on this topic. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll have some more coming later this week. We'll have a guy, uh, a CMO, who's going to be talking about freelancers. Uh, We'll be talking more about Connor later this week. He'll be on the show. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for supporting me, and I will catch you later. See ya.